What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on TalkingChop.com, where I have been the minor league editor for, I guess this is my sixth season now, uh, and the deputy site manager for that are part of three seasons now. We are back, and there's minor league baseball to talk about, and we are going to kind of go through everything. But first, uh, I am joined this evening by a different crew than normal. Well, not the first one's not different. We're all aware of Garab Vidak and his uh, – legendary postseason run of pie making uh you can follow him on twitter at gvdac uh, he's been with talking chop for uh, about just under a year less than me he's been around for a long time too rob how you doing buddy i'm doing well man how you doing doing well i i, I haven't had a chance to actually shout you out how like how hilarious that whole pie making thing was during the postseason like it was like it was the the funniest thing is every day like there was like actual baited breath as to what kind of pies you were going to be making uh, and what what was going on and, you know, make sure you were still doing it. Uh, I sincerely hope you're not going to try to do that during the regular season this year. That seems I'll, like you're going to get. I will be picking and choosing my games. Yeah, you have to, like, do, like, Dodgers series or, you know, like, big in, in division series or something. Pretty, um, much, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, Mike Soroka starts, stuff like that. Um <laughs> uh, uh, and also joining us tonight, normally we have either Garrett or Matt as well, if not both, but Garrett predictably broke his laptop, and um, and Matt's dealing with some issues that are external from all that, so I wanted to kind of also make sure we were bringing in some new voices too, because at the end of the day, you know, we, we want to make sure we're including everybody on the staff, and joining us tonight is someone who's actually been on the staff for a little while now, and we, we love him dearly, and we, I, we, we keep talking about getting bringing him on the show, and this seemed like a perfect opportunity uh, once we could get his child to go to sleep, is one Wayne Cavati. <laughs> Wayne, how are you? I'm I'm doing great. I get to talk about minor league baseball, which is something I haven't done in the calendar year, so I'm very excited. Well, to be fair, we haven't done it in an audio format, because Correct. I, we, 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 you have to understand... Our group chat, the the TC group chat for minor leaguers, it's every day. Now, what is contained every day is certainly a wide spectrum, uh, particularly when Garrett and Matt get involved. But um, it's we're all, we're constantly talking about baseball and like the fact that some of these conversations that we've had in the group chat that we didn't turn into a podcast form is really kind of hurts in a lot of ways, uh, but I do want to talk a little bit first before we get into the actual podcast. This podcast is going to be kind of preview-ish of the 2021 season. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of some of the stuff that was in the Talking Shop preview content that was rolling out over the last week and a half or two, talk a little bit about the minor league changes that we're expecting to see and kind of what our expectations are. Uh, not a super long podcast. I don't want to necessarily dwell on that too much, but, you know, kind of something to kind of get your heads around what's been going on, the pot, the, going on with the season before we kind of really get into the in-depth coverage of the individual games and all that stuff. And I wish we were going to have little games earlier, but we'll talk about that later. I do want to talk about why the podcast hasn't been on the feed for a while. 
Uh, first and foremost is just that there hasn't been much to talk about. We made the, the Talking Shop talk thir- Top 30. We have been meaning to talk about that. But beyond that, there just hasn't been much in the way that we haven't already covered. The, the changes that were coming in the minor league season, we kind of already knew that stuff was happening um, in terms of, you know, teams moving around. We have some changes and some things we want to mention that are more specific now. But the bigger problem that we've been having, uh, and I've mentioned this on the Talking Shop podcast before, is that I have this weird problem with microphones. Um, we, to, to bring Road to Atlanta back to, to begin with, I had to get a bunch of new hardware, uh, technology-wise. And I had these little Samson Meteor mics that I was a big, big fan of that we got, uh, thanks to some generosity from some listeners. And those worked great until there was one Windows 10 update where all of a sudden they wouldn't work at all with my computer. I have since gone through two different microphones, a headset that all of a sudden stopped, like, syncing up with only Skype, but... And so the, when I, you've heard me on the Talking Shop podcast over the last couple months, I've been doing it on my phone. Now, the problem is I can't locally record, and since I'm the one that's doing a lot of the editing and all that stuff, that, that's problematic. I couldn't record the, I couldn't record the calls on, from Skype. But, got a new headset. This one seems to be behaving appropriately with both Skype and everything else, and the audio sounds okay, so, this is, we are going to be appearing more regularly on your feed. And in fact, the plan tonight is to record this podcast, and then immediately after we're gonna record a bit of a review of the top 30 list that we put out a couple months ago. Make sure you go read that. Um, and we're going to do a review kind of what the decision-making process was, what surprised us, et cetera, et cetera, and get that into your feed next week. Um, so that way we can kind of line up this with the preview content that's been coming out and then also make sure we cover that because we, I've actually gotten like once a week or so I get asked, you know, when's the top 30 review coming? Cause I think there's some things that people want to talk about. Uh, I will say, uh, Gaurav and Wayne, People are starting to come around to that Michael Harris top five uh, prospect ranking. Pretty excited about that. Uh, that was the one that kind of got people all up in arms that, you know, we couldn't possibly be correct about that. And now, like, all the national names are like, actually, he's probably a top 100 prospect now. So uh, feeling pretty good about that ranking right now. But we'll get more than that in that podcast. So we have some things to talk about on the minor league side, guys. First and foremost, um, and Wayne, I'm going to kick it to you first, is the biggest news that came out recently is that the AAA season was delayed. Um, and we, I, the suspicion is that it's air travel that's going to be the biggest reason why, mm-hmm. is that, mm-hmm. that they were not wanting to uh, start the season early. Enough, early. Well, he give uh, like another month for vaccines and stuff to come into play. Uh, that affects Gwinnett and nowhere else, and that makes Gwinnett obviously the alternate site. Uh, do you have any like general top line thoughts or kind of like you know like concerns that you have going into the season, um, or is this something that you kind of expected could be a thing? Um, did, I'm going to be honest with you, I, and and it might have been blind hope, but I thought everything was you know we got the schedule, uh, the tentative schedule, and I really did think that the minor league season, um, I was at least I was hoping was going to start on time. So this is kind of a little bit of a blow um but they did uh you know they did so much work in in the the changes to the minor leagues with with the new levels and then the rearranging of farm systems that you got to believe that this is truly just a delay like you said to to square away those travel plans and make sure everything is going right and and I did read a bunch about you know waiting for the vaccine because you know it sounds like by May, a lot more people are going to be vaccinated. It'll be safer. They could probably get some people in the stands as well, which is, uh, you know, maybe not from the start of the season, but by the, the end of the season, get some fans in the stands. And, um, so you got to hope that it, it is just a delay, um, and being handled correctly. But, you know, after last year, 
it's it's lingering that it may just be an alt site, but you know that's in the back of my mind. But uh, I'm I'm hoping it's just a delay. Yeah, I definitely can't take take it for granted because as we found out, things can change very very quickly. We went from the season's about to start to no one could go could leave their homes for months uh, very quickly last year. So I I agree, but uh, I I'm. I'm I'm pretty optimistic, but I'll share my thoughts a little bit. Garav, what about you? What was kind of your first reaction and your general top line thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'll have to echo what Wayne said. It's a little worrisome. You hope we'll still have a season and everything. It's just, it definitely is the first thought that pops into your mind. Uh, as long as there is a season, fantastic. The only issue is that's a month of innings for all these players that they won't be developing. You know, some will be at the alternate side. I don't know if the entire roster is going to be there. If so, then fantastic. If it's only a select amount of players, then you're talking about a, a group of players that aren't getting those reps in, which is unfortunate for them. This is an interesting point, and one I wanted to touch on too, is that with the alternate site, I imagine that the way that they're going to handle the alternate site, and I don't, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, or at least I haven't seen them, as terms of how many players they're going to let be at the alternate site, like officially participating in it. But I think the thing that would make the most sense is just that the entire Gwinnett roster is there, plus whoever else is like on your official alternate roster. Like again, if you're putting Michael Harris, you know, on your alternate site roster, if you're putting the guys who are going to be at lower levels over there. Like, that's one thing, but it just seems like you'd have the Gwin- the Gwinnett guys over there kind of working out at the very least. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we don't really know kind of how to compare how guys develop at alternate size versus in actual live games. My gr- strong suspicion is that, you know, you, players develop and just pick up more quickly going in real competition. But, you know, I think that's going to vary from organization to organization, and we only kind of know bits and pieces of kind of what's happening at the alternate site and how – successful that's been you know pluses and minuses right like some of these lower lower level guys are going against double and triple a pitching but some of these guys who really are operating against father time you know they're not really getting kind of the meaningful innings they need to prove that they can be in the major leagues um i will say this i always thought it was a little weird that the triple a season was staggered like a staggered start like the triple a season started and i understood why this was happening right because with the triple a season lining up with the major league season then if you need to call anyone up from triple a it's 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 fairly straightforward those guys are already playing um but you know like then there's like you know there are guys on the 40 band that aren't even on the Gwinnett roster and the rest of the minor leagues aren't starting until the beginning of may it just it felt a little weird in terms of kind of how the scheduling was going to work out and then how do call-ups happen i mean like you know do you call up a guy like how much time do you give a guy to to develop in double a now to get called up to triple a when you know he might only be down there for a month and the teams the the rest of the team is you know a full month into their season it felt there was things about that felt very weird to me and i was not taken aback by a delay i don't think i I, this almost makes more sense to me not just from a public safety perspective but also just kind of like a look start everyone in an alternate site if you really need to call someone up you'll have that pool of players but then just start all the minor leagues at the same time so it's not there's no actual weirdness. Um, and I think that a part of it was, you know, like plane travel was a big part of it, but also there's just going to be some places in the country that are going to be more safe than others. And, you know, coming April, you know, maybe they just felt like they're going to be a little more comfortable giving that, that month delay is going to be kind of make things a little more safe and it's going to kind of allow like local ordinances, city ordinances and things like that to be lined up with the start of a triple a baseball season that would allow fans in. Cause I don't think that they were necessarily, 
super excited about having AAA games with no fans in place while also having to deal with like particularly strict health protocols. If you wait a month, it makes it a little easier. It makes it more likely that fans are in the stands. I'm fine with it. Uh, and again, this only affects Gwinnett. Everyone else was already kind of playing and gearing up towards for the beginning of May, uh, which is where all the other affiliates are going to be. Now, speaking of the other affiliates, this is going to be very different. And honestly, from objectively, from, you know, taking a step back and looking at someone that in terms of workload and doing minor league recaps, the idea of not having to recap as many games is very appealing to me because everyone on this call has had to do those, like, all six levels are playing. Some of them are double double headers, uh, minor league recaps. And I know that our, our we appreciate all the love that minor league recaps on Talking Shop have gotten over the years. But when you have to recap nine games – and, like, you don't get to get started until, like, 11 p.m., and a lot of times you just have to get up early to finish it. It's pretty brutal. Um, but other than that, like, it's really sad that we're losing, uh, obviously losing the Danville Braves because there's no Class A advanced, there's no advanced rookie ball anymore. Um, there are certainly some other changes. We The Gwinnett Stripers remain the AAA affiliate. The Mississippi Braves down there in Pearl uh, are going to remain the AA affiliate. But where the changes come start in high A, the Rome Braves become the Braves' high A affiliate. They were along the low A affiliate, and I am so thrilled about this because replacing the Florida Fire Frogs is among the higher. If, if you always make one change to the minor leagues, like league wide, I actually would have like contracted the Fire Frogs and just had the, the Braves have somewhere else, maybe be in the Carolina League. But this is even better for me because it's only like 40 minutes from my house. Um, and then the low A affiliate becomes the Augusta Green Jackets. So, uh, Grav, I'll hit you first, kind of. How, how are you feeling about this kind of arrangement? Because now the, the the furthest affiliate the Braves have away from them is Pearl, Mississippi, which you know realistically isn't that far. Um, Gwinnett's obviously still remains close. I mean, do you, what, do you see any changes coming in terms of what we can expect, or is this going to kind of be just kind of business as usual, but a little bit easier to travel for us? Oh man, this is just I can't think of a single con for this, especially for for us. Like you said. Uh, it's nice to be able to potentially go to see players at three different levels within just a couple of hours. It's going to be fantastic. I absolutely love it. Uh, it sucks for the people over at Danville. You know, they, I, I'm not sure exactly how they're filling the stadium now and, uh, what their plan is. But for me, I think it's, I think it's great news. Uh, it's also gives, scouts a lot easier opportunities to check out these people and hopefully helps the coaching and all that kind of stuff. I really just don't see a single, uh, a single negative with this. Wayne, what about you, man? You've been kind of one of our resident go to Gwinnett guys. Now we have kind of Augusta to think about and all that. What are your kind of, what are your thoughts on kind of the changes to the levels? Well, you know, also going to Rome as much as I did, I'm excited that, um, We'll get to, one thing, you know, I'm excited about is that we'll, we'll see a bunch of new teams come into Rome, right? Cause they're at a whole new level sure, and there's sure. the bowling green and, uh, I, I believe the blue rocks are in there now and Winston Salem. So we're going to, we're going to get to see some brand new faces and some, uh, better, far, not better, but different farm systems with some better prospects, I should say. Um, so I think the, the, the Rome level, um, becoming high A is definitely enticing. Um, you know, and having Gwinnett down the road is, is great, but I, I just think, well, and I 
do want to say I wholeheartedly agree with you that not having to figure out what to write about GSL, uh, reca- GCL recaps is, is much better on, on all of us. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm most excited about the Rome, um, being in, in a high affiliate and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a little bit, but when it comes to rosters, a bunch of the guys that I thought I would miss at Rome because they were low A guys and now are going to move up with a year off, I'll probably get to, to see a bunch more than, than I originally expected. So I'm excited about that aspect of it as well. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and you know, there's, there's going to be a bit of an adjustment in terms of since you don't have like Danville to kind of stash, stash guys anymore. Uh, like especially those college guys, which is kind of what used to happen, is that during a draft year they would just kind of stash those guys there. The, the, the Braves themselves hadn't been doing that as much. Uh, we're talking about a little bit of a weird draft year when draft years when this has happened. But I mean, like we saw Langoliers and Shoemake right away in Rome. We we we've seen them be a little bit aggressive with some of their drafty assignments. Um, can't really compare anything with last year because there was just no minor league level assign, assign any of those guys to, but we're, we're expecting to see certain, certain guys relatively quickly. And I imagine within the first two weeks, we will have in-person looks at both of the low A levels and probably at triple A. I can't promise Pearl Mississippi is going to happen like right away, but I will commit for sure that I'm going to make at least one extended trip to Pearl and just stay out there for a few days so that I can actually watch, uh, one, because I promised, uh, play-by-play guy Chris Harris that I will come out this year. Uh, it's been a long time since I've made that trip, but I'm, want to make sure I get out there. Um, but we're going to be getting a lot of, a lot of looks of guys right now, very early on in the season. And that's what, what I'm really most looking forward to. You know, the, it hurts that, you know, there are friends of ours that whose jobs were impacted by the contractions that happened and obviously the loss in uh, the loss of the minor league season last year. Uh, I don't know if Kevin Carroll is going to be coming back at all for the Rome Braves. I know that he's like, there's a, there's a chance that he might call some games on weekends, but Kevin Carroll has been there as long as I've been involved in minor league baseball. And, you know, he, I think he's one of the best play by play guys in, in the minor leagues, but with no job last year, you know, he had to move on to different things. Um, he's still, you know, still around the sports world, but again, those things are, those are the kinds of things that happen. The Rome Braves front office has certainly encountered, has certainly taken on some of that Danville front office, but that meant that others that were in the Rome front office have moved on. And those changes, I don't want to diminish. I don't want to say that there was, that there are definitely a loss of jobs. There was a loss of talent that happened from these changes, but I'm also looking forward to getting Getting to know a new organization in the Augusta Green Jackets. Uh, I haven't been out there. Uh, it'll be nice to probably see David Lee. Uh, he'll be, I'm sure he'll be out there watching Green Jackets games. Um, especially if Braves, if the, the Braves affiliates are going to be in town. So, you know, again, a lot of those, there's a lot that I'm really looking forward to, but I don't want to lose sight of the fact that, you know, these changes certainly had real world consequences for the people who were employed by these organizations, employed by these teams. So, you know, so I am truly, it's heartbroken. I wish, I wish we could have still had minor league baseball last year, but you know, the way the world was uh, simply didn't allow for it. Um, and I, again, I'm looking, I am an hour and a half from three of the Braves four affiliates. An hour and a half or less. Well, I guess maybe Augusta's a little bit further for me, but, um, I'm not far and I'm going to get to see more baseball. And it seems like that while the AAA this season has been delayed by a month, you know, by, you know, May, those first couple weeks of May, we're going to be seeing a lot of minor league baseball, and that makes me happy. Uh, going, before we go into the parts where we're kind of looking forward to in the 2021 season and, you know, specific player talk, I'm going to take a quick commercial break to take a word from our sponsors. 
What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, and we're back. Now we get into the kind of the meat of the conversation, and that is what we kind of are expecting from individual players. Because you know we can talk about you know you know like minor league levels and affiliates and where they are and overall overarching stuff. That's pretty easy. But what's going to get really tricky, I think, for us is how to talk about individual players because we haven't seen any of these guys since late 2019 with the notable exception of, you know, guys who made major league debuts last year. That's notable, but Grub, I'll go to you first. We're going to talk pitchers first. Other than we're going to, I'm going to go ahead and just get this out of the way. Ian Anderson is no, he is in the major leagues. He is not a guy that we're going to like, Say, like, there's going to be some breaking news that he's going to be pushing for major league time, right? But other than Ian, there are a lot of guys who are going to be in the mix as prospects for major league time this year, whether it be at the beginning of the year or kind of pushing on to the middle or the latter parts of the year. So who are some pitchers? Give me, like, a couple starters and maybe a reliever that you're thinking of as guys that are going to be pushing for some time in 2021. So... You can automatically assume people are going to be talking about Tukey and and Patrick Weigel since they already made their appearances last year. Uh, putting them aside, uh, for starters, it really depends on the role. But uh, Kyle Muller and Jaseel De La Cruz are both like right there on the cusp. Uh, Jaseel showed up in spring training. You know, he got into a little trouble. Worked out really well. His fastball was still lively. There was no gun there, but you could you could assume it was, you know, 97, 98 with good bite to it. Uh, and then a slider, he hung a couple of them, but then he also flashed a plus slider. Opportunity for him to be a, a possible arm in a spot start or uh, most likely in the, in the pen itself. But um, other than that, you know, also Bryce Wilson has really showed out today with a great fastball. Uh, and a great curveball. Uh, there's an opportunity that he's on there. Uh, Kyle Muller also made his opportunity, his spring training debut as well and looked great. Got into trouble as well, but also worked out of it. Showed a really, really nice fastball with tons of sink on it. Uh, reliever wise, uh, I really like Victor Arano that we just signed from the Phillies. Uh, I don't know if you consider him a prospect, but I do see him making the team dynamic stuff. He could be a very, very elite reliever. Uh, and then, you know, you know, uh, what's his name? You know, uh, had an amazing postseason. He's also right there in the mix for a bullpen or a possible start. We don't know how Mike Soroka is going to come off, uh, you know, come back from injury quite yet. Uh, if I had to reach outside of that, you know, there's also Tucker Davidson. He's in the mix, but if I had to reach, uh, you could possibly look at Spencer Strider. I don't think it would happen. It's not going to happen, but if pure, happenstance occurs you know he's a he played a college ball great fastball change up uh, i love relievers that have a great change up so i mean there's a whole bunch of 
players up for and positions up for grabs who could come out and begin the season on the roster and, or show up pretty much any month of the season. Wayne, what about you, man? Give me a couple names in terms of starters and relievers you're keeping an eye on. Uh, I mean, he hit on them. You know, uh, I know we we saw Tucker Davison briefly uh, last year. Um, I don't even think we can count the, what we saw of him. Um, but you know, the big, the big news was his driveline work. So we know the fastball is getting up there. Um, but you know, there's question marks I have about him because if it's, if it's just pure heat that he's got, um, he could be like Bryce Wilson was the first couple times he was called up, you know? So I don't know where I put him on the, on the pecking order. I think, um, De La Cruz, um, as, as you mentioned already, you know, with when he when that slider's on and and the fastball that he can get the movement going he has two good pitches and and, and I feel like he's bullpen um ready like from day 1 I know consistency has always been his issue but I, I really feel like um he could he can make an impact from day 1 I I don't know you know like you mentioned making making a reach um it's so tough cuz as you said we haven't seen anyone in so long so it um, you know, like normally, let me just give you a, for, for example, you take a guy like, uh, Ricky DeVito, right? Who was a college, a, a successful college arm that came out of the draft two years ago. He was pretty solid at, at Rome the, the couple times I saw him and that you're talking about a college arm. And granted, he was a younger college arm, but if 2020 was in play, there's a good chance a guy like Ricky DeVito's in, in Gwinnett to start 2021 and maybe one of those reach guys that could make an impact mid season. But now you just kind of don't know where a guy like that is. So um, I think there's a lot of question marks, but I, I think we pretty, you know, the, the guys on our, on our top 30 prospect list, um, I think are especially the upper half of it, I think are the guys that you're going to see. Um, and like guys like Tukey and Bryce Wilson, probably very early on. Oh, I agree. If, What's up? If if I can jump in real quick, I think one player that really, really, it was inopportune uh, to miss out on the season was William Woods. You know, mm. we saw him hit, you know, a hundred, a hundred on yeah. the gun. He came in today. He threw a pretty good slider with a great fastball uh, and an okay changeup. Like that year of lost development was pretty is pretty inopportune. Who knows? He might be battling for a bullpen spot as well right now. Yeah, uh, Woods is a good name to mention. Um, I, I do want to kind of give a little bit of love to Kyle Muller. One thing that one thing that Kyle has going for him is that he's on the forty man roster, and that's the kind of the, what you're going to hear from us. And that's what was in the preview was that the guys that are on that forty man roster right now are the guys that are the most likely to push for time in 2021 because not just because it's kind of easier to move a guy up that's already at the forty man roster. But also, there's already so many other guys in the 40-man roster. It's hard for me to imagine that they'd see a guy at, like, high A or double A who's not on the 40-man with, like, these six other guys that are starters that are on the 40-man roster and being like, let's give this guy a shot at the major leagues. You know what I mean? So I think that Mueller is a guy that's to keep an eye on because other than the fact that he's, like, 6'7", I might say, like, he might be crouching down a little bit. He's a big boy, uh, and he's listed at 250. Again, that, he's a big brick of muscle, and coming from the left side, like that has to be terrifying. Him throwing 96 to 97 miles an hour from the left side, just this giant 
giant of a human being. Um, the, all the pitches seem to look good so far from what we've seen from kind of workout videos. You know, results may vary on those. You know, they might pick the best five pitches, the ones that looked great, but it looks like that he's getting a good run on his fastball to his arm side. Um, he's getting, getting good, good, like kind of multi-plane movement on his breaking ball. These are all good signs from Kyle because, you know, early on in his career, he had kind of like a lingering minor issue with injury that kind of took away his velocity, but got all, got all that work done in terms of uh, work at driveline at other off season programs. It seems like it's really put into effort. And more importantly, it seems like he's a guy that's constantly working on his body and building strength. So I think he's a guy that could reasonably get a, a shot at it. Uh, reliever wise, it's always so hard to pick because, you know, like whenever you pick one guy, you know, like that's a guy that gets hurt or that's not the guy they end up using. Um, Eno is a pretty easy pick. It seems like the Braves really like him. Uh, I think it seems like that they want, might be interested in having him as kind of a long man type slash spot starter because the stuff can be so good uh, over five innings if when you're trying to just get a spot start that's ideal but also kind of have him as kind of a, a, one of the first guys you bring in particularly as a righty in a, in a bullpen that is pretty lefty heavy at the moment but a couple names I do want to mention uh, Daysball Hernandez is a kind of a guy it's, got, it's almost turned into a meme uh, amongst talking chop followers it's like yes he's a pretty good reliever um, he's a guy that could feasibly get some, get some attention as a reliever he's been in the system a little while now um, and is a you know, is a guy that could easily move up relatively quickly. He's already 24. Um, he's either 24 or 25. And, you know, at some point they're going to have to try to see if he's actually going to be, you know, a thing. Um, and it's possible that he could come up as an option if, you know, some guys start getting hurt. Uh, but another guy that I think is bound for the bullpen, and that will affect his rankings for me in terms of the talking chop top 30, but I didn't want to make that, like, pull the trigger on just committing to that. It's going to be Victor Vodnik. Uh, if you want to talk about a guy who has a hot, guys who have high octane fastballs, uh, I'm still holding out hope that they keep trying him as a, a starter or they don't at least close that possibility down for him. But, you know, in short stints, this guy throws absolute gas. Uh, he's still pretty young. Uh, it feels like a long time ago that he was drafted out of high school, but he's just 21 years old. So, you know, maybe, maybe he, this would be a little bit too early to bring him up. Uh, maybe he needs another year, but, you know, when you're a reliever and, you know, you're throwing that kind of stuff from the right side, which is kind of what the Braves need right now, I mean, maybe it makes sense at some point this year to give him a shot. Um, I'm less bullish on guys like Patrick Weigel uh, and maybe even guys like Tucker Davidson just because I feel like that there's already – when you have, like, the Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson class of, like, not prospects, but they haven't gotten established roles yet, already ahead of those guys – and then you have guys who probably have higher ceilings like Kyle Muller behind you. In in Weigel's case and in Tucker Davidson's case, I worry a little bit. Uh, particularly in Weigel's case, I just don't think he looked as good. Uh, spring hasn't been kind. I don't really worry too much about that. But you know, it just it seems like the velocity hasn't really come back. The stuff hasn't been as good. Which again, this is going to happen when you have a, a long layoff from a, from an injury. But you know, I'm kind of hopeful that he can find some of that form that he had when he won minor league pitcher of the year for the Braves. Um, not to mention the fact that there's guys like Bryce Elder, uh, Jared Schuster, who were drafted last year, who were both who are college arms that are just kind of waiting and are very likely to move up the minor league ladder quickly. So uh, do those guys make debuts in 2021? Probably not. But I do think that there's some upside guys that might overtake some of the kind of the well-established, you know, the, the, like the class of player that's like the Patrick Weigel's or the Thomas Burroughs class, right? Like guys who have been on our list forever as kind of like the de facto most like top 2% of whatever position they play in the system, 
but haven't really been able to make it much further than just really good minor league players. So uh, those are the kind of guys I'm thinking about. Um, so let's move on to the position players. And Wayne, I'll uh, I'll kick it to you first here. This is a lot. This is a lot trickier because mm-hmm. what positions guys play don't necessarily line up with availability of positions. Um, uh, it, this is going to be particularly the case uh, with at least one of the big catching prospects that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one's necessarily going to be taking any place. that's like no one's taking over first base anytime soon. No one's taking second base anytime soon. Uh, so, like, what's the likelihood that we're going to see some some real position player prospects make debuts this year? I, I mean, so. Okay, we started, you know, really following this system in 2015, waiting for these top prospects to get here, and now they're all here, right? So yep. it it's a veteran team, but it's a youthful veteran team. So it's, um, you know, unless you're talking catastrophic injury, it's like you said, it's really, um, I think it's William Contreras, you know, he's going to be the guy um, first out of out of the catching prospects that that the options are. Um, is really the one that has the best shot to shine. And, and of course, you know, wink, wink, Pache and, and Ciarte are in a uh, battle for playing time. Uh, I can't see that if, lasting. If, if Ender and Ciarte starts a game in the outfield <laughs> over Pache, other than yeah. like a day off thing, I will lose my mind. Yeah, yeah, I can't see it happening either. So, you, you know, obviously – you take those two guys. Those are those are two big prospects that we got to see play a little bit last year. And other than that, I mean, the infield is, is solid. Um, the outfield, like we said, I mean, uh, Acuna and Azuna are aren't going anywhere. Um, but that doesn't mean there are you know Langoliers. I think if injury strikes, I think there's a chance that we could see a guy like him. Um, I would love. I know. It seems more logical because of the talent level, and and I know I've always been kind of the low guy on on him, and I say low guy because I usually have him at number five, but like Drew Waters. But I would love to see a guy like Trey Harris, you know, get that just get that chance. Um, and that's a guy I'm definitely watching because he's always been a guy. Like when I look at Trey Harris, right in college, his junior year, he didn't get drafted. So what did he do? He came out his senior year. He hit the first home run in SunTrust Park and had a monster senior year, right? Then he got passed over in that draft, and he went like late rounds, like 30th round. I can't remember exactly where it was, but he went so late. So what did he do? His first full season as a minor leaguer, he won Braves Minor League Player of the Year. This is a guy that constantly takes things that, for example, not being at the alternate site, takes it personally in a positive way, and and he uses it to trigger it forward. And I could see him coming out, um, having the year off, not being at the alternate site and, and just saying, okay, I'm ready to play major league baseball and come out firing. And if injury strikes, I could see him getting, um, a chance to, to at least be the fourth outfielder, for example. Um, and I'd love to see it. And I know he has his flaws and I know glove work isn't his, his strong suit, but, um, if I'm watching it at one of the older, you know, prospects to, to say older, he's not that old, but if I'm watching a guy, that's a guy I hope that we get to see at the big league level this year. In fairness to Trey, he's not that bad with a glove. It's just not always, no. the, it's not always pretty. 
Right. But he right. generally will make the plays, right? Exactly. Uh, 100% uh, agree. And he is an interesting class of player. I'll, I'll actually, I want to talk a little bit about that, that Justin Dean, Trey Harris kind of class of player. I'm a, I have some stuff I want to say, but Garab, what about you, man? What are some guys that you like position wise that you think could see, could debut this year? Yeah, this is definitely one of the more difficult questions just because of the number of reasons that Wayne listed and really the only player I could think of was Trey Harris. Uh, just because I could see him competing for a fourth outfield kind of spot. I don't know if he makes the roster right out of spring training. He is probably my favorite to, to win that fourth outfield spot, but you know that's just not going to happen. It's going to be under Enciarte. There's nine million reasons why. Uh, so really, I think the only person I can really truly think of to make it would be Trey Harris. Uh, Drew Waters, again, that's only because of pretty extreme injury. I, I don't think they have any reason to really play him in Atlanta this year. Uh, so, yeah, I think the only person I could really see making their actual debut would have to be Trey. Uh, I think William... Like like uh, like Wayne said, William, I, I I would love to see him in the majors day one, but that's probably not best for his development. He's only had a handful of games over in AAA. Start him there. Um, so yeah, I, I have to agree with pretty much everything else you said. So this is where it's a little tricky, right? Because there's a ton of pitchers that are on the 40-man roster that have been stashed there for Rule 5 protection. And that's just kind of how it worked out in terms of where the high-end prospects that the Braves had, who they had to protect for Rule 5. It just happened to be there's a lot of pitchers. And that kind of works out in terms of what decisions you have to make from a roster perspective. But there isn't anyone on the 40-man roster, and I'm looking at it right now, other than William Contreras and, and Alex Jackson, to be fair who's also on the 40-man roster, and, like, it wouldn't be a crazy notion to me that Jackson was the backup catcher to Darno, just because if you want Contreras to play every day until they, you're, like, absolutely sure he's ready, um, maybe get him, just get him warmed up for the season or whatever. That's not, that's not a crazy notion to me. Contreras is, like, a vastly superior player right now, but if you want to give him a little bit of time, I'm not going to, like, lose my mind over it. That, that makes most sense. But in the infield, there's no, like, there's no prospect that you're stashing over there. Uh, if you if you squint my eyes, like the the one thing about the Braves' current roster is like the left side of the infield isn't quite as is not as established as what you would think. You know, if Austin Riley is a really rough start, or if Dansby is a really rough start, or he gets hurt again, you know, like you could convince me a world in which Braden Shoemake becomes an option, right? Like it's not likely, I don't think, but you know he's. He's already he, he, being a college draftee. He becomes at least a possibility. So if he's hitting well at the beginning of the year, and they all of a sudden have a need on that side of the infield, and I just don't think that they have much confidence in the guys that they're bringing in. I mean, look, Johan Camargo's had multiple opportunities to stick as a starter on this te- on this Braves team, and he hasn't been able to do it. He hasn't looked particularly good this spring. He hasn't looked particularly good in a few years now. Then you have guys like the guys they signed, like Jason Kipnis or you know Kung Fu Panda or you know, the, the, or even Jake Lamb, you know, there seems to be at least a certain amount of hedging with these minor league signings that maybe that they need some help over on that side, that, that side, particularly at third base. And, you know, with Dansby, you just never know if he can stay healthy. And I don't really know who the backup shortstop on this team is unless you're going to slide Ozzy over there. So maybe you get, maybe there's a situation where Braden Shoemake, you know, slides over there. But I think you're right that the class of player, that if something were to happen in the outfield, I don't think that, at least, if, especially if it's a short-term injury, 
if it's a long-term injury, I think it's, it's possible that Drew Waters gets a, gets a shot. Um, now, hopefully that doesn't happen because no good things come from a long-term injury in this outfield, considering the players that we're talking about. Like you're talking about one of the better defenders in, in Pache, one of the better players on planet Earth in Ronald Acuna Jr., and a guy who's coming off a near triple crown win in Ozuna. No, losing any three of those guys is, is genuinely bad news. But if you extend for a long period of time, I think that it would make more sense to just go ahead and just start Drew's service clock. Now, if you feel like a guy's going to be out for like three weeks um, and you need someone like three weeks or a month even, um, that's kind of where I would draw the line. But you want to make it short, like you don't necessarily care as much about the guy's service time, but you want to make sure that they you have someone who can hit. A guy like Trey Harris makes a lot of sense. If you feel like you lose a guy and you also need a guy in – late inning situations that can pinch run, Justin Dean is a really interesting option. Now, Justin Dean's case in particular is not helped by the fact that the Braves signed Terrence Gore to a minor league contract. Um, Terrence Gore can't do much of anything except run, but what he, when he does run, he's an extraordinarily successful runner. Uh, he's basically like having a track and field guy on your roster who can't hit. Um, so that that does hurt his case a little bit, but this is, these are also our guys that are taking up 40 man spots right now. So there's got to be a compelling reason to bring them up. They either have to be a hit in the cover off the ball, which I think the Braves, if, if, if the, uh, the season starts and these guys are doing well and there's a guy, there's some guys that, and again, like those guys we talked about, the Austin Riley's, the Dansby's, if a guy's really pushing for that promotion or, you know, pushing for a spot, you know, I think there's a conversation to be had, but I think that that conversation is going to be more easily had on the pitching side. I think that they're going to have some guys in the rotation who are a little more suspect, and if a guy's pitching his brains out at AAA, it's going to be harder to keep that guy down than, say, a position prospect. Um, all right, so we've kind of gone over who we expect to kind of see in 2021. I, I just want to, and again, we'll go to Garaw first, then Wayne. Um are there any in terms of where guys are going to be placed? Because again, the, the distribution is a little more com- concentrated these days. Who are like some guys that you think are going to be? It would be you would be surprised if they weren't placed at a certain spot. Like like I'm like, like if this guy's not at AAA, I will be shocked. And who are some guys I think that, that you think that the Braves could surprise us in terms of like where they're going to start the season? Uh, this is also a very, very difficult question. I think the big ones are already, you already know they're going to be in Gwinnett or Atlanta. So we don't even have to really bother about that. Uh, one interesting assignment is going to be Jared Schuster, uh, advanced college yep. arm, didn't play last year, wasn't at the alternate site. Uh, do they start him because of his age and are they a little more aggressive and they start at Rome with a quick promotion to Mississippi, or do they really try and act like it's his full first season in professional baseball and start him down in Augusta? That's one I'm definitely going to be looking into. Uh, Jaseel De La Cruz, does he start the season in AAA? I, I think he does. Um, then I'm going to be interested. I, I think uh, I think Victor Vodnik is going to be one that I'll be monitoring as well. Is it going to be Rome? He's in spring training right now. Is that what they – what exactly do they think of him? Is, is this going to be a quick 
you know, kind of progression from Rome to Mississippi. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Bryce Elder, uh, another one from the draft. Where is he going to be? I have him right now scheduled to Rome, but again, he is an advanced college arm, so maybe they're a little more aggressive and start him in Augusta as well. Uh, and then you, you know, you have some of the other ones. William Woods, again, he has not pitched much, and because of his age, do you want him uh, facing against higher uh, quality opponents? in Rome, or are you going to start him in Augusta? So uh, there's a number of really, really iffy uh, assignments that I, I'm really, really interested in seeing uh, because it really will tell a lot what the Braves think of them. And uh, I want to really – of course, the player I'm most interested in seeing is going to be Michael Harris. I don't think they're going to be anything crazy, and he's going to start over in, in Rome itself. But, again, that – is a pretty aggressive assignment for someone his age and his professional experience. So there's, again, there's a, a, there's a vast number of players that I'm very uncertain on. Wayne, what about you? You know, I I think you hit it on the head. It's, it's a lot of uncertainty. I think, I think all the, um, the college guys that came in the draft last year are, are, are big question marks, you know, especially a guy like Jesse Franklin, who, um, was injured. And didn't even play the limited weeks of college ball that there were last year. So you're talking about a guy that, that really hasn't played at all. And, and I, you know, you, you mentioned earlier in the show that that's what a Danville was for. And, and you don't have that anymore. So I'm interested in where a guy like Jesse Franklin and, and, um, and Cam Shepard goes. And this, you know, with Jeremy Walker and, and, and um, Pfeiffer being DFA'd, which were, kind of surprising to me one guy i want to know where he is he's uh, he's in camp now but he's not on the 40 man like what where does thomas burroughs go from here this is a guy that that's you mentioned him he's been around our list forever our our top 30 or honorable mention list forever and it's just like how is he not on the braves roster 40 man roster yet how is he not in the big leagues and what are their plans for the for a guy like that um i mean i think he has to be in gwinnett but who knows um, and then, you know, I, I think Rome is going to be a really fun team if they're not all there together, but you know, you got, you're going to have like Michael Harris and, and the Grissoms and, and, and names like that. I think all passing through Rome at some point, if not all at the same time, like I said, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And then, you know, a guy I'm really interested to see how aggressive they were, you know, talking about college experienced kind of players is Bryce Ball, um, and and where he how quickly he he moves up the system and how well he continues to to hit as he moves up the system but i would i would expect a guy like that to start you know maybe maybe do a rome quick uh mississippi jump uh at the beginning of the year especially with the delayed start and um that yeah that's who i'm looking at so ball was on my list as guys that could be the surprise assignment I wouldn't be shocked if he got started at double A. And yeah. the reason why I wouldn't be shocked by that, all you care about with ball is the bat because he's playing first base and there's no one ahead of him on the pecking order in terms of prospects at first base. There's no one that's like, you're like, well, we might need, you know, maybe we need to like give this guy a little bit more time than we'll move, you know, we'll, we'll move everyone up together. You know, there's no one at first base, no one. All you care about is, is this guy's back going to play and how soon will it play? 
because with the DH coming, you know, you have Marcelo Zuna obviously locked up, and ideally you have him playing DH. But maybe you need to see what you have with Bryce. Maybe, and the one thing that you hear constantly about Bryce Ball now, uh, you know, and we talked about this early on when we were seeing is that he's a much better hitter than you think he is. He's not just a big, tall, strong guy that can hit the ball far. Like, he looks the part. He looks like a baseball player. He doesn't look like a, like a lumberjack that you just happen to give a baseball to and is hacking at stuff. Like, he has feel for hitting, and he looks like he knows what he's doing and has a good approach at the plate. I would not be shocked, again, because he's, he's seen time at multiple spring trainings now, you know, being a college draftee and – he doesn't seem overmatched by what he's seeing in spring training in these, any of these at bats. I would not be, it would not surprise me that if he started at double A, is that likely? I don't really know. Uh, if for another reason, like I'm not really sure who they're filling out, you know, obviously Makai Backstrom is kind of the, the elephant in the room on this conversation, uh, in terms of, you know, like he'll probably start in, in Augusta, you know, what happens at Rome at first base and, you know, but you can always find guys that you can kind of slot into those positions, you know, to fill out your minor league rosters. Um, I'm pretty interested to see what they're going to happen to Michael Harris. I, if he's any lower than high A, I will be very surprised. Uh, but as we're kind of, now that everyone's kind of catching up to our way of thinking on what, on Michael Harris, uh, I, I think it's likely that they're going to, you know, they'll put him, at Rome at the very least, and then kind of see if he can hit his way up to higher. I would not be shocked if he did end up hitting his way higher on the list because the, the kid can do just about anything. Um, how well he does that and how much that plays in the field uh, is very much to be determined. I am curious as to what the Braves do with Shea Langoliers because presumably William Contreras will be no lower than AAA. Now, there's an argument to make to be made about having Contreras and Langoliers at AAA because if you think both of those guys could feasibly debut this year, you want them working with some of those same pitchers and you want them kind of being close by if you really need them. I think it's more likely that he ends up in AA. And what happens at AA with his bat is going to determine a lot about his future because William Contreras is a guy that's going to prop, is going to hit and has certainly not embarrassed himself behind the plate. He is not as good a defender as Langoliers. He does not control a running game like Langoliers does. Um, that first spring training game where that, uh, I forget who it was. It's actually, he's a good prospect and he steals a bunch of bases in the minor leagues. But as soon as he took off on Shea, I'm like, there is no chance that Shea doesn't get him. And because he pops so fast and he has such a strong arm, like that's always going to play. But in double A, if he's at double A, which is, I'd say, likely, how much does the bat play? Because if he's hitting 220 down there, like all of a sudden you have to start wondering, you know, where, you know, why are we having this conversation between him and Contreras anymore? Because I don't think Contreras is going to be that light of a hitter. I just, I don't think that's, I don't think that's where his floor is. As defensively as good as Langoliers is, you know, is that something that you really plan on your in the near future putting in your putting on your roster? Um, Grav, you mentioned someone in particular that I was been thinking about a lot too is Jared Schuster in terms of like with this new arrangement of kind of how the minor leagues look, like how aggressive does the, do the Braves really want to be with a guy like that? Um, again, Augusta seems like a pretty like that's not a crazy notion. 
to at least start him there because honestly, with all these, with the low and high affiliates so close together, there's very little reason to not, like you could just, if you feel like you need to make a move early, you can just do it. Like you just like, okay, drive down the road and go down to the double, go to the hot, go down, go down to Rome. It's just not that far. Uh, there's not a lot of logistics involved in it. There can be roster shuffling pretty easily. The one last guy that I'm not sh- I truly don't know what the Braves are going to do, uh, and he's another guy. Again, Wayne kind of mentioned Thomas Burroughs, this guy who's lurked around. How about Freddie Tarnock, who has been in, like, the teens of our prospect list for years now? He's still only 22 years old, which, you know, kind of blows my mind considering how long he's been in the system. But he was in Florida for a long time. And that was a pitcher-friendly league. That was a place where, you know, we look, we all understand that he was newer to pitching. And this was more of a, he was more of a project than a guy that you know, we expected to zoom through the system. But at some point, you have to decide, is this guy, we have to try this guy at a higher level other than high A. And you have to decide if he's going to be able to, his stuff is going to compete. And is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be a reliever? Uh, he was a starter in high A for quite a while, and I think that if he doesn't start in double-A, at the very least, like, that's kind of a sign that maybe, in terms of his overall prospect pedigree, we probably need to move on. Um, that's just kind of how I generally think about it, but those are the kind of what I'm thinking about in terms of assignments. It's not just, you know, how much closer is the guy to the major leagues, but also it's, you know, are we going to see movement in guys and if we don't see that movement, does that tell us something that maybe we don't already know? Uh, Grayson Janista is another example of this. You know, we kind of forget that he's, you know, he's around, but he's, you know, he was a second round pick uh, and was supposedly supposed to be a, a power bat of note. And we haven't seen that out of him. What do the Braves do with him? So uh, that's pretty much all I've got for this one. Uh, we actually ran a little bit longer than I was planning for for this one, but that's perfectly fine. We want to make sure we, you guys got lots of, uh, Things to talk about minor league wise this week. Uh, Grav, do you have anything going on uh, before we let you go? Uh, no, but feel free to watch me tweet about Indian people in college baseball. Yep. Make sure you follow Grav on at, J, at GVDAC on Twitter. Uh, he is currently trying to hawk uh, Donglena t shirts. So if you ever feel like you need to uh, get one of those t shirts, yes. make sure you hit him up. Uh, Wayne, <laughs> a- a- anything you have in the kind of the hopper that you want to talk about before uh, we let you go? It's D two baseball season. I'm busy. I know it's yeah. I, we had, Mr. Big Time. He actually we were going to record this yesterday, and uh, he was having. Uh, he was already previously booked to talk about uh, D two baseball. If you guys weren't aware, uh, in terms of D two sports, particularly D two baseball, uh, Wayne is the guy. Uh, that does that coverage, uh, and it is yeoman's work that, uh, is important, uh, him and Matt, him and Matt talking about guys I will probably never see or hear of, uh, <laughs> again after those conversations, uh, cracks me up. But, you know, uh, make sure, you know, again, Wayne's really deep into that D2 coverage. Uh, he's also an integral part of our, our minor league coverage team. We're going to be kind of doing a lot of work to kind of get ready for this minor league season. I'm very glad that the, the preview, uh, section of the, the TC rollout is over with because that was a lot of work just to kind of make that happen. Uh, both of you helped with that. And, uh, big thanks to both of you guys. Um, if you want to follow the podcast, you can always go at to at, at road, the number two Atlanta on Twitter, where we post where there's new updates for new shows. Uh, we will be po- making posts on talking chop that'll kind of embed the link. But if you really want to help the podcast and you want to help it grow, make sure you subscribe to the talking chop 
stream, uh, the Talking Chop podcast stream, because not only will you get this podcast, which will be occurring more regularly now that I'm technologically more able and we actually have minor league baseball to talk about, but also you'll get the Talking Chop podcast, which is on the major league level, hosted by the great Brad Rowland, uh, which is co-hosted intermittently by myself, uh, as well as Scott Coleman, lots of different guests on there as well. Um, really appreciate all the support and, and patience with us. Obviously this, 2020 was a, was hard on all of us. I still am, I, I did not feel right in the 2020 season without minor league baseball, without minor league recaps to talk about, without going to minor league games. You know, like not only were these my friends in the organizations, um, both as players as well as coaches and staff, et cetera, et cetera, but just, it didn't feel like the season was complete for me. Uh, and I'm glad that we're going to talk about minor league baseball again. Uh, the slight delay at AAA aside, I feel confident we're going to be seeing plenty of minor league baseball this season. And we're going to hope we share that with all of you guys, both on this podcast as well as on the site. So, again, thank you so much. We're really looking forward to it. And next time, we'll see you on the road. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.